Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Welcome, everybody, to South Valley Community Church. My name is Ricky Hemi. It's great to see you guys today. Last week, you guys got to hear from Pastor John Ecker. He did a little sermon on maximum impact. Let's give it up for John. We, we appreciate John, his hard work. He's doing an amazing job. And today, we actually have 50 people over in the chapel right now. We have a membership class going on. And so uh, it's really exciting to see people taking that step and becoming members here of South Valley. And uh, so with that in mind, I thought we'd continue the Maximum Impact theme for one more week this week. And then we'll get back into Daniel next week. We've got three more chapters in the book of Daniel. And uh, every week as I, as I preach through Daniel, I've always said, this is the hardest chapter yet. This is the... It gets harder and harder. Have you guys read? I'm like, I'm like, how do I even preach these passages? So next week, we'll continue with Daniel. We've got three chapters left. But last weekend, I was gone because I was in Nashville, Tennessee. My first time in Nashville. It was amazing. Got to eat some good food, hear some good music, and be a part of a church that is starting in that area that we have been supporting since January. So they were meeting in homes. They were trying to get things up and running. They, they found a spot. They got a tent. They had their first wor- wor- uh, worship service last Sunday. I want to show you this quick video to fill you in more. So check out the screens. Hey, South Valley Community Church. Uh, Chris Holmes here. I'm a church planter from Nashville, Tennessee that South Valley has actually been supporting since January of this year. And I just wanted to give you a quick update on what God's been up to in our new community of faith. And and then uh, just say thank you for your continued support, for your continued prayers. Uh, So in January, we started meeting uh, as, as a community group and then that multiplied into a couple different groups. And then over the summer, we were gathering speed and meeting as a launch team Sunday afternoons. And then this last Sunday, we actually got to host our first Sunday morning worship service. We got to kick off Sunday services uh, in a new space. And man, I wish you all could have been there because it was so much fun. Pastor Ricky actually got to fly out and worship with us. You know, we engaged with, with biblical truth. Uh, we, we presented authentic community to people. And we saw God move. Well, we're seeing families restored. We're seeing marriages healed. Uh, We're seeing people who haven't set foot in church in 30 years decide to show up and and listen to the gospel. And a lot of that is because of your generosity, your prayers. And so from the bottom of my heart, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting us for believing in church planting, for believing in the kingdom and having a, a generous mindset. Uh, this is a, a verse out of Ephesians 3 that I've just been meditating on. And I want to share with you because I feel like it kind of sums up uh, church plant life and just ministry life in general. This is Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So thank you guys. Thank you for your prayers. I hope you have a great Sunday. I hope you have a great week. We love y'all. Thank you. 
Yeah, so that's Pastor Chris Tomes. They launched last Sunday. They had 70 people at their launch, which is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing for a church just starting out. And I know they're going to only reach more and more people. They have an amazing team. And so I just want to say thank you for your generosity. Wanted you to see that. Today, we're going to continue with this theme of maximum impact. Today's sermon is titled, Give More, Worry Less. We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into it. Will you guys pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for a morning to exalt you. I thank you for each person in this room, God. I know that you have them here for a reason. You love each and every one of us. You see us. You know us. You understand us. You know our highs. You know our lows. And you are there through it all. And today, Jesus, we lift you high. We worship you. And we just pray right now as we open your word that you'd speak to us. Give us a soft heart to hear from you this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open now to Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. That's going to be our passage for today. I'm going to go ahead and read it now on the screen. Matthew 6, starting in verse 19. Jesus says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them, and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal them. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there your desires, the desires of your heart, will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will either hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, last week, Pastor John preached out of a section of Jesus' most famous sermon in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount, okay? It's his longest sermon, most famous sermon. It's where you hear some of his most famous sayings. In this sermon, he talks about marriage and divorce and prayer and evangelism and loving your neighbors and being slow to judge. And then smack dab in the middle of this sermon that spans about three chapters, smack dab in the middle, he gives a message on living a life that blesses others and that is worry-free. A life that's a blessing to others and that is free from anxiety. Now, if if you just, that topic, anybody else here in this room want to be a blessing to others and live free of anxiety? Okay, I feel like that's a very relevant topic. Jesus understands us. Jesus understands what keeps us up at night. Jesus understands what we wrestle through and what we worry about. And he knows us and he challenges us to live lives that bless others and are worry-free. Now, I'm not sure if you know this, but Jesus taught 
on finances, okay, so he's talking about giving, and he's talking about worry, wealth and worry in this, top, in this passage. He talked about finances more than anyone else in the Bible. Did you guys know that? Taken together, 15% of Jesus' teachings were focused on money. And the reason why is because we cannot separate, we cannot divorce our faith from our finances. Our approach to money, our approach to possessions is a central part of our spiritual lives. That's why Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your what? Heart will be also. Well, today I want to give you three keys to giving more and worrying less. Key number one is this, acknowledge God's ownership. If you're taking notes today, you're going to see a blank in your notes. Acknowledge God's ownership. I'm going to hit these verses real quick. Look at, look at these verses here. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. Next one. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you power to get wealth. Passages like these and passages like the passage in the Sermon on the Mount communicate one important truth that we all have to come to terms with, and it's this. God owns everything. He owns everything. Nothing is actually ours. Everything actually belongs to him. And in the Bible, this is where we get the idea of stewardship. Stewardship is acknowledging that as the creator and sustainer of the universe, God owns it all. My life is God's. My resources are God's. My time is God's. God says this in Psalm, Psalm 50. He says, For all the animals of the forest are mine, and I own the cattle in Lamore and Hanford. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for all the world is mine and everything in it. God owns it all. But here's the cool thing. The cool thing about God is that he delights in giving us amazing, amazing things. He blesses us with awesome stuff. Now, this shouldn't surprise anybody in the room. Any parents here this morning? Any grandparents? Any aunts or uncles? Okay, if you have a little one in your life, whether that's a niece or nephew or a younger cousin, or you, I, I don't know if you do this with your brother or sister or not. Usually it's, we're a little stingy with our siblings, but our kids, our grandkids, we know, I don't have grandkids by the way, but we know the joy of giving. We understand the joy of giving our children amazing things, and, and, and not spoiling them rotten, but giving them amazing things. And it, it, when we see them experience joy, we experience an even greater joy. And the reason why parents enjoy giving, the reason why grandparents enjoy giving is because God enjoys giving. You and I have been created in the image of a very generous God. And we're never more like God than when we give. We're never more like God than when we sacrifice for others, than when we put others first. That's exactly what Jesus did. He renounced his wealth, came down unto our earth. He became poor so that we might become, what's the passage say? Rich in him. 
Hudson Taylor, he says this. If you never heard of him, you should read a biography about this guy. He was a missionary to China. The first one there, he was doing amazing work there. And this is what he says. The less I spent on myself and the more I gave away, the fuller of happiness and blessing did my soul become. Many of you understand that joy. You see, we're taught in this world in this life to take 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 to it's all about me just love me love me do what's right for me and and but and we think that that's actually the path to joy but it's not the path to joy is to love God and love others serve others pour yourself out for others and when you do that you're actually like God and when you're like God you actually have joy and contentment in your and purpose in your life there is joy when it comes to to giving. Now, the, here's the thing. God gives us amazing things, but he also expects us to use those amazing things well. And this is where we get the idea of biblical stewardship. So the word steward in the Bible, it's actually made up of two words. One of them is one of my favorite words. You guys hear me say it all the time. So stewardship or steward in the Bible, it's this Greek term oikonomos. Oikonomos. It's made up of two Greek words. The first is oikos. We talk about this all the time. Okay, that's not yogurt. That's uh, your household, your extended household, your sphere of influence. That's, that's oikos. The second is the verb nemo. Nemo means to manage something. So oikonomos is a household manager. Stewardship is about seeing what we have and knowing we actually don't own it. We just manage God's resources. We are stewards. We are household managers. The simple way to think about stewardship is to ask this question. If Jesus had your resources, how would Jesus use them? How would he leverage your home for ministry, your job for ministry, your car, your dinner table, your backyard, your finances, your passions, your time, your natural talents, your unique relationships for ministry? How would he utilize what you have for ministry? And we have two paths according to Jesus. We can invest all that we are and all that we have into earthly possessions and therefore store up earthly treasures that cannot go with us and that lose their value over time. Or we can invest all that we are and all that we have into the kingdom and store up heavenly treasures that are protected by God and will never, ever perish. Randy Alcorn says, you can't take your wealth with you, but you can send it on ahead. So key number one to giving more and worrying less is to acknowledge God's ownership. Key number two is to master your money. Master your money. In order to give more and worry less, you have to control your finances instead of your finances controlling you. Listen to what Jesus says. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is healthy. It's filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other, You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, Jesus' teaching here about the eye sounds confusing, but the idea is actually quite simple, and it's this. What is your eye fixated on? You think about your life. What is your eye fixated on? The good eye looks to God as its master and fills the person with the light of God's will. The bad eye looks to treasures on earth as its master and becomes controlled by the darkness of greed and self-interest. One commentator says it this way. He says, The person with a generous eye can see clearly 
And life can be guided in wisdom and safety by such light. The person with a covetous eye, selfish eye, is walking in darkness and is bound for harm he cannot see. So Jesus is saying here that poor perspective, poor vision, poor money habits, poor money management will cause us to just stumble through life. Have you guys ever seen that before? People who don't have control of their finances, they're out of control with their spending, they're out of control with their blessings, and instead of enjoying those things and using those things well and being generous to others, they're actually just stumbling through life and always trying to play catch-up. It's because their eye is fixated on the wrong thing. A healthy eye is fixated on God, and it results in healthy habits. A bad eye is fixated on treasures, earthly possessions, and it creates bad habits. Where is your eye fixated? God wants us to be wise and to be generous with our money. And with that in mind, I want to just say something that's just, we sometimes forget, and it's this. Money isn't evil. Did you know that? It's not evil. In fact, it is a wonderful servant and a powerful tool, okay? Make as much money as you can. Make as much money as you want. Money is not a bad thing. The Bible's main concern with money is this. Does money control you, or do you control it? That's the concern. Jesus actually says, when you're faithful over little, I'll set you over much. So what you see with people who are wise with their money and know how to do good things with their money, oftentimes that money grows and increases, and they get more responsibility and more opportunity. So money isn't actually bad. It's actually a great servant, a powerful tool, but it is a terrible, terrible master. Money is a terrible master. In an American society, many households are enslaved by money. Now, when we talk about money, we shouldn't be afraid of it, because Jesus talked about it, but we need to keep in perspective what the Bible has to say about it, and, and this is what the Bible says. The love of money, not, not, not money itself, but loving money, being fixated on money, revolving your life around money, idolizing money, is the root of all kinds of evil. That's the problem with money. Money isn't bad, but when we fixate on it, when we make it of our lives, when, we, when it's all that we think about, when it's all that we dream about, when it's all that keeps us up at night, then it has become the root of all kinds of evil. And people do terrible things in pursuit of money, and eventually they become controlled by their money. And even rich, rich people, this happens to rich people. Let me show you guys a few uh, quotes from some of the richest people in history. William Vanderbilt. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There's no pleasure in it. Next one. Rockefeller, I have made many millions, but they have brought me no happiness. Carnegie, millionaires seldom smile. Isn't that sad? <laughs> uh, John Jacob Astor, I am the most miserable man on earth. Henry Ford, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. On the whole, the more money people have, the more anxious care they spend on how to keep it, how to increase it, and how to stop others from stealing it. Now, it's not bad to have money. It's, that's a blessing from the Lord. But the question is this, is it controlling you or do you control it? And so how can you know if you are using your money or if your money is using you? Well, the best way to find out is to follow the numbers. 
If someone was given access to your finances, what would they learn about you? What would they learn about what you value in life? What would they learn about where you find your security? What would they learn about how you view success? How, what would they learn about how often you are getting Starbucks each week? No, I, I, mine's Dutch Brothers, so I, I don't, that, you're not, it's never a waste to buy Dutch Brothers, always a waste to buy Starbucks. Um, what would we learn? It's a scary thought, right? Someone got access to your books and saw how you spend and saw what you fixate on. What would they learn about you? Do, you? do you live within your means? Do you save? Do you give? Do you take care of the finances that you have? Or have they gotten crazy and out of hand? Mature disciples understand that money is a tool for ministry. Yes, it's a necessity of life. Yes, it's a wonderful resource. But just like every resource, God intends that we leverage it for kingdom impact. And so I like to give people a simple strategy for their money. This is very simple, basic. If you guys want really good stuff, though, listen to Dave Ramsey. He has amazing things on investing, real estate, whatever you, whatever you, if you want to get smart with your money, I'd, I'd recommend Dave Ramsey. But here's a simple plan I like to teach people, uh, and it's this, the 10 10 80. Have you guys ever heard of that before? 10 10 80. Okay, this is a simple way to, uh, to have financial joy and freedom, and it's very simple. Save 10% of what you get. Save it. Save it for a rainy day. Put it aside. Keep it there. Don't spend it. Save it. The other, give 10%. God's blessing you with finances. What we see in Scripture is when we receive a blessing, we give God the first fruits of our blessing to impact others, and that's what we see in the Bible where you, they were giving in the temple. They were giving in the church. Give 10%. And the final, finally, number is, is live off the 80% with minimal debt. So try to get to minimal debt, live off the 80%. So that's a simple plan. That's a simple way to manage money. But here's the thing. Here's what you got to know. You need a plan. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to to poverty. Over and over in scripture, we learn that without a plan for our finances, not only are we unable to be generous and bless others with the blessings we've received, but we also get out of hand and, and, and we end up losing things and, and making hasty decisions and bad money choices. Now, now, one question I get all the time is, how much should I give? I get asked that question all the time. And when people ask me that question, my usual answer is to shoot for at least a tithe. Tithe is the word that means 10%. And this idea of tithing, just so you know, it's a concept that appeared in the Bible all the way back in Genesis. Okay, Abraham tithed, Jacob tithed, the Israelites were commanded to tithe. And what's interesting is that in the Old Testament, there was an exact numbers for how much to give, and they were commanded to give. And actually, their tithe in the Old Testament equaled about 23.3% is what they were giving. In the New Testament, though, the New Testament is not legalistic about a certain amount to give. Your giving under the New Covenant is between you and God. That said, 
Giving in the New Testament, if you've read the New Testament compared to the Old Testament, you'll see giving in the New Testament, although there's not a number fixated to it, it's actually more extreme in the New Testament than it was in the Old Testament. Let me just give you guys some examples here. I made a couple charts for you. Here's Moses versus Jesus. Okay, so Jews today, when they're thinking about the Old Testament, the first person that comes to mind is Moses. The Pentateuch, he, he is, he, this, this is the guy. When we think about the New Testament, it's Jesus that we think about. So what does Moses say in the Old Testament? He says, the best, Exodus 34, of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. What's Jesus say? Sell your possessions. Give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old with a treasure in heaven that does not fail. Moses says, every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Jesus says, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Moses says, there you shall go and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them for they've all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. Moses says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed. Jesus says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone, anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come on this house. Moses says, The first fruits of your grain and your wine and your oil and the fleece of your sheep you shall give. Jesus says, Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure that you use, with the measure that you give, it will be given, measured back to you. That's Moses versus Jesus. So there is no, you know, number in the New Testament, but what you see in the New Testament is, is radical generosity, and it's rooted in the fact that Jesus was radical in his generosity, that the Father was radical in giving his Son. Jesus denounced denounce the wealth of heaven in order to make us rich in Christ. So that's Moses versus Jesus. Now we have Old Testament versus New Testament. I'll hit these quick. Old Testament says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. New Testament says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, the proceeds to all as any had need. Old Testament, we obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all our fruit and every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. New Testament, there were not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And finally, Old Testament, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, Paul says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The big idea is this. New Testament generosity has very high bar. And although the numbers may change, the reasons stay the same. Giving is about worship. Giving is about sacrifice. Giving is about investing in the kingdom. The giving is about honoring God with our wealth and investing in ministry. Because here's the thing. Our stuff can't come with us. But do you know what can? People. 
people in Lemoore, people in Nashville, Tennessee, people in Hanford, people in Riverdale, people in Kalinga, people in Tulare, Visalia, Fresno. We can bring people to heaven, but we cannot bring our cars. And trust me, you're not going to want your car there. You're going to have something better there. We can bring people to heaven, but we cannot bring our houses. And, and here's the thing. We have been conditioned as Americans to think only about the here and the now and to build treasures here on earth that will rot and destroy. And if, if, anything, if we've learned any lessons over the past couple years, it's that we can't trust wealth on this earth. I don't know when the last time was that you looked at the news, and I don't want to scare anybody about the stock market, but there, you see how quickly wealth on earth can be attacked. In their days, their wealth was attacked through rot, okay? They had metals, precious metals that would corrode and, and vanish, and the, you had all this money stored up, and then it was gone. It was good for nothing. They had fabrics that were wealth that were important to them, and moths would come in and eat it. Just like us, things, inflation, how many of you have to pray before you go to the gas station so you don't missay something <laughs> that you really want to say? It's, we live in a crazy time, right? We live in a crazy time. And, and here's the thing. We're learning in this crazy time that, that all these things that we put our trust in, they, they, they can't be trusted. And, and I'm not saying don't invest. I'm not saying... I, I, be wise with your money. God gave you money. He wants to do great things through your money. He wants to grow your money. If you're faithful and loyal and, and you use it well, he'll grow it and he'll, he'll do great things. But don't trust in the here and the now. Send on what you can ahead of you to a place where your investment is actually protected by the only one who can make sure it, it, it isn't spoiled. His name is Jesus Christ. You can send it on ahead of you. You can send your blessings on ahead. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't store up treasures on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven. Can I get an amen? Well, the last key to giving more and worrying less is to trust God's provision. So Jesus starts with a message about finances. Like, hey, I've given you guys blessings. You have certain things. I've loved you and blessed you and taken care of you. And, and you can give. You could be generous. You can do it. Like, you could, you could invest. I know it's countercultural. You can invest in, what, in what, it, what really matters. You could really do it. And here's the thing. As you do it, I know you might be anxious at times. I know you might worry, like, oh, my gosh, if I do this, that means I'm not going to have money for this. And am I going to be okay? And so Jesus follows up his message on finances with straight right after it is a message on anxiety and trusting God's provision. God will take care of you. You could take that to the bank. God will take care of you. He promises it. This is what he says. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Okay, I don't, I don't know a, a single anxious bird in the world, okay? They, they have everything that, actually, and when I think of uh, animal not being anxious, I think of my dog. I have a shih tzu. Uh, anybody have shih tzus in this place? All right, yeah, thank you. Okay, if you have a shih tzu, they're only good for one thing, and that is sitting on your lap. That's it. 
It is the most anxious-free dog on the planet. All he wants to do is eat, pee, walk outside to take care of business, and sit on my lap. That's it. Like the most anxious-free dog. Sometimes I'm like, I just want to be a shih tzu for a couple weeks. Uh, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father, he's the one who feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? My shih tzu doesn't have to worry about food or water or anything. I got him covered. God's got us covered. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put God first. God first in your family, first in your finances, first in your time, first in how you live your life. And he will give you, what's the word right here? Everything you need. This is a faith issue. This is a faith issue. If you sacrifice, if you get, and I hear it all the time. People say, I want to be generous, but I don't have enough. But here's the thing. If you don't, if you're not generous with what you have now, you're never going to be generous in the future. If you don't know how to give 10% when you're making 15000 a year, you're not going to know how to give 10% when you're making $75,000 a year. If you don't know how to do it when you're early on, you're never going to do it. It's a faith issue. He'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I need you to hear this loud and clear this morning. I know that finances is, is not an easy topic to talk, talk about. I actually haven't preached on this topic since a year ago, so this is not something we talk about all the time. But what I want you to know is that when it comes to that finances matter to Jesus, he calls us to be generous, but he also wants us to remember worry is a thief. Worry is a thief. Stop worrying. Worry will steal your time. Worry will steal your brain power. Worry will steal your joy. Worry will steal your sleep. There are two things that will rob you of joy in this life, and that's the regrets of yesterday and the worries about tomorrow. Disciples of Jesus are called to live in faith that God will provide. God has us covered. And, and here's the thing that's so hard for us because we have, we're worriers. I came across this excerpt from Time Magazine, and the, the article was t- titled The Science of Anxiety. And it's talking about how actually our first response lately as human beings has just been anxiety. And we're worrying ourselves to uh, sick, the article said. It says this. Here's an excerpt from this woman uh, writing in the article. She says, it's 4 a.m. and you're wide awake palm sweaty, heart racing. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your aging parents. You're worried about your 401k. You're worried about your health. You're worried about your sex life. Breathing evenly beside you, your spouse is oblivious. Doesn't he see the dangers that lurk in every shadow? That's kind of harsh towards men, uh, but maybe we do that. He must not. Otherwise, how could he, with all the things going on in the world, have talked so calmly at dinner tonight about flying to Florida for a vacation? Worry is a waste of time. The past cannot be changed. The future cannot be charted. So worry about them is useless and debilitating. One of the keys to joy in this life is to worry less. I know it's hard at times to trust God with the future, but he has a better grasp on the future than you and I do. So we don't have to worry. We can give, we can trust. And I don't mention this enough, but at South Valley, if you call South Valley home and you give to this church, I want you to know your fingerprints are all over everything that we do at this church. 
Here's a list of just some of the ministries that we support. Campus International, Mossy Foot, Crossroads Pregnancy Center, Family Life Ministry, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Kings County Jail, Kings Gospel Mission, Lamore Christian Aid, which we just wrote them a check for $15,000 because of some funds that we got over at Renewed Thrift Store. So yeah, let's thank the ladies over there. And we give them monthly support. Samaritan's Purse, we just gave them 7,500 earlier this year to help with relief in Ukraine. When I grow up, Youth for Christ, Taylor's Heart, we just sent Katrina to Mexico, she's here, and she went and visited with the When I Grow Up organization. Uh, Cross and Crown, which we just talk about, talked about, Renewed Thrift Store, and this is just some of them. This is just some of what we support. So when we give to South Valley, we're supporting all of this, and we're supporting the mission and ministry of South Valley. There's more than this too that we're supporting monthly support, huge support, and, and we're supporting the ministries here. And here's the thing, when you give, you, although your name is nowhere here, your fingerprints are all over everything that we do. In the last 12 months, I don't know if you guys know this, in the last 12 months, we have documented a total of 42 salvations here at South Valley, adult salvations here at South Valley. That's adults, 42 adults. And in the last 12 months, we have documented over 140 salvations of students and kids over the last 12 months. And right over here in this little area, you have seen 60 baptisms in 12 months. And here's the thing, we often take that for granted because you know, it's been awesome. Like God's blessed this church for so long and we've seen baptisms, but I actually, I've, I'm, I just wrapped up my doctorate by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be graduating in December, yeah. and. Uh, I studied churches while I was doing my doctorate and that was part of my dissertation. And I learned that the vast majority of churches in America are plateaued and declining. Many of them have not seen a salvation or a baptism in years. You guys just saw 60 in 12 months. And almost 200 salvations. And we have 50 people over in membership class right now and 170 people going through Rooted right now and 100 youth on Wednesdays and a couple hundred kids on Sundays. And we have a young adults ministry that's already reached over 100 and we have 30 groups meeting in homes. And, and I know that we're going through a lot as a church. We've had a lot of change. We've had a lot of transition, but God is still on the move and he is still using you and his face is still shining on this place and we have more work to do. Can I get an amen? So I'm gonna close with this. If you want a simple way to apply today's message, here's a challenge. This is not something that you have to do. This is just a challenge. Make a covenant to give. I didn't start, I, I started giving when I was 18 years old. I had a full-time job and I was getting paychecks and I actually was making more money than I knew what to do with because I was living at my parents' house and they paid for you know, most of my stuff. But I was challenged in a sermon to give. And they handed out a giving covenant and I signed it. And since then I've been, that's just what I do. I just live as if that money isn't for me, it's for the mission of the church. Make a covenant. There's a piece of paper in your hand. You could use it, you could toss it. It's totally up to you. But sometimes it's good to say, you know what? Today I am going to start. And maybe 10% is way too much for you right now. So start somewhere else and start to grow. Maybe you've been at 10% for a long time. And I would just say this, 10% is not, the ceiling, it's the floor. And so sometimes God wants to grow you beyond that. So make a covenant. Number two, sign up for recurring donations. This is something my wife and I do and have always done. We pray before the new year. We always pray over the year, God, how much do you want us to give? How much do you want us to sacrifice? What do you want from us? And so we pray over it. And then we set up recurring donations that come out of our 
come right out of our bank account because we don't use the credit card thing. We just, we just put that money aside. And every two weeks, we, we give to South Valley and the mission of South Valley. And then we put money aside for other giving opportunities too. And so sign up for recurring donations. Make it a habit. We, we set it. We forget it. We live with, without it. And we are blessed to be able to give it. And number three, trust God with your future. This is a challenging topic. This is a topic that oftentimes people squirm over and, and they get a little uncomfortable, like, oh my gosh, she's talking about money. I, I'm not afraid to talk about money because Jesus talks a lot about money. And Jesus blesses us with more than we ever could even imagine. And Americans are among the richest people on the planet. We are blessed to live in this country. We are blessed to live in this town. We are blessed with the, the love of Jesus in this church. And so I wanna encourage you, step up wherever God calls you and see what God does through it. I'm gonna pray for us. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this topic. And I just pray right now as we uh, close with a, um, a song, I just ask God that you would help us to just surrender to you. Um, Lord, you really reach down into every area of our lives and and you, you are Lord of it all. You're Lord over our choices. You're Lord over our time. You're Lord over our family. And one day, we are going to be held accountable for how we lived our lives and what we did with the things that you gave us. And some of us are going to learn that we used it so well, and we're going to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I've set you over little, and now I'm going to bless you with much. Others are going to hear, you wicked servant, you slothful servant. I gave you this, and you hid it away. You buried it. You didn't use it for anything. You just buried it and wasted it. I pray, God, that we would prepare ourselves for the future, for eternity, to live with an eternal perspective, and to trust that you're going to take care of us in the years to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.